Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. If that Purdue-Michigan game is any indication of what the NCAA tournament's going to be like us, I think we're going to be very happy campers, don't you? I think we'll be happy as long as there's not an unbelievable, unnecessary uh, delay at the end of the game to determine possession God, so of, brutal. out of bounds. But man, it is so brutal. And here's the thing. I'm not going to complain about the foul on Haas. I thought no. he, I thought it was ticky tack, and I don't think he could have called it no, there. But he no, pre- it was a foul. It was a foul. I don't think I don't think he called it there. I don't think that was a huge foul. I mean, I know his hand was around them, but it, I'm fine with it. I'm fi- basically I'm fine with it. And Haas made the free oh. throw. So right, but the, I can't have the stoppage of time. It should be one minute. I've been saying this for a while. Time it. If they make the call. And it takes you six minutes to figure it out. Just stay with the call on the, on the court. Because here's what annoyed me. It doesn't yeah. annoy me that, listen, was I rooting for Michigan? Of course. And it's it a very odd game, right, man? Like they covered, but they didn't win. It was a very – I felt very like vegetable lasagna after. Like, all right, yeah. good win for yeah. Gus. But had I bet Michigan, I won. I, right. you know, it's a very odd thing. But By the way, Vegas knows. Yeah, Vegas. Oh, so one and a half. Two, whatever how, crazy, it was. how crazy is that? One and a half. We got that in one and a half. Crazy. Yeah. But I don't like the stoppage of time because then, Gus, you got to give them a new timeout, right? To all of a sudden then – because they, they allowed them to meet because they met because now the change of possession. Correct. Right. And you know who's on this game? I know. It was casual Italian refereeing. My yes, man, Gene Steratore. I love Steratore. Gene Steratore. Oh. Uh, were you waiting for him to bring out the folded up paper to figure out this replay? What I, what I will say is when the foul was called, I was yes. so mad. Not because I thought it was – I'm just like, ah, I don't want to foul. But I thought Gene Steratore called it and I go, boy, this is poetic justice. It wasn't Steratore, but it was fine. I, I think right. it was close enough and he hooked him. If he didn't hook him, he wouldn't have gotten it. And right. you know what, Gus? You were right about Carson Edwards. I mean, big time. Three after. Big time. Dagger. Ah! Oh! <laughs> yeah, he's great. So, uh, so listeners, welcome. Yeah, sorry. sorry. We're already <laughs> off. We're already off. Yeah. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. We're so glad that you guys uh, tuned in and carved out some time during your week. Uh, we hope you're enjoying the the more content, further content that we're trying to give you during the week. Mike and I are each uh, each trying to give you an additional podcast to digest and consume during the week, and uh, this is just another one. So we're going to get jump back together on this one, and then we'll uh, go solo again uh, closer to the weekend. Yeah, just uh, we'll just, some- just remind you guys, the content is flowing, okay? We give you the full podcast, both of us here, uh, Hagler and Hearns, the whole bit on Monday. On Tuesday, I give you my short corner, did 100 basketball facts. Check it out, please, if you didn't see it on Randall Rant. Last- They're fantastic, by the way. Fantastic. It was a lot of fun to do. I appreciate it. And then last night, I did a solo. One of my 11 teams that can win the national title. Gus, I did put Purdue in there, okay? Got to call a spade a spade. It's absolutely can definitely win national championship, no doubt about it. I was shocked to hear that when I was no, listening. 100%. No, it is what it is. And then uh, we'll do it with this one post tomorrow, which is Thursday. And then Friday, we Gus will give you the top 25 rankings. And then Gus's mid-major solo. I look forward to it all weekend, Gus, on Saturday. I really do. Yeah, I have some cool things lined up. Uh, we're going to keep it really simple. We're going to run down a couple of uh, good mid-major games that happened during the week, give you a preview of a couple of the mid-major games that are going to happen over the weekend. Of course, we'll highlight the IV in that. And then uh, we have a couple of other like little tidbits that we'll give you during that podcast. So we'll keep it a shorty and, uh, you know, we'll try to give you as much rundown as we can on this podcast to make sure you're getting everything that you need during the week. All we're asking folks in return is if you could please subscribe, 
Give us a review on iTunes, five-star review and a comment. Subscribe to the podcast. We're on Stitcher as well. As well. Tune in radio. Wherever you see it, support the podcast. That's all we ask. And we are banging out content as we're hitting mid-January. Mike and I were thinking, what do we want to give the listeners slash readers slash college basketball fans in general out there? So we thought we would just go with what we know. Let's stick to just doing another podcast or two and putting that out there as opposed to trying to get into another element that you might want to consume, whether it be in written form or otherwise. So we just tried to keep the written form simple, like one thing to get your eyes on and some rankings and then really concentrate on the podcasts. Absolutely. And Gus, before we get into the games, we got a lot to talk about besides Michigan Purdue. We spent the whole podcast on that. Let's get to the news and notes. All right. So Mike, would you like to take us through? We, I think we just have like three or four things that we want to touch on that are important for the college basketball landscape moving forward for the rest of the season? Yes, sir. Of course, really sad news out of Texas. Andrew Jones, he had been out for a while with a mysterious illness. That always uh. makes me concerned, Gus. Diagnosed with leukemia. Hope he makes a strong recovery. It sounds like you know things are positive here, but prayers and thoughts go out to Andrew Jones, the entire Texas family, as well as his family. Unbelievably sad news. He was a five-star prospect. I mean, he was on NBA draft boards. And we'll still remain there, of course. But I think everybody from the AAU circuit to the college basketball landscape and even, you know, to some of the pro scouts and stuff, I think everybody is just thinking the exact same thing. Rest up, heal up, Andrew Jones. Second one, Gus, from Jeff Goodman at Goodman ESPN on Twitter. Former Louisville uh, commit Brian Bowen told ESPN he has been admitted to South Carolina and will seek reinstatement from the NCAA. Odd. That's the only word I have for this is odd. Well, here's the thing. If his uncle did take the money or his relative, family, friend, whoever it was. Sure. Should he never play college basketball? Like we'll never be able to prove that he knew that that was going on. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. He's fooling us all. Or maybe he didn't. So I have no problem with the kid basically sitting out a year and then looking to go somewhere else. I'm okay with second chances. And absolutely on the second chance part. Here's why I say odd. Why go to another school where the FBA, FBI was involved with in the exact same investigation that got that denied you the opportunity to play college basketball? Why not go someplace else? That's a good point. You know, my wife asked me, she said, oh, why didn't he go to like a bigger school if he's such a high recruit? I said, well, I don't think a lot of schools want to touch him with a 10-foot pole. I said, if if I'm him, Gus, South Carolina is as good as I'm going to get, right? They went to the Final Four last year. They play in the SEC. They have a fantastic coach in Frank Martin. They got some play. I mean, that's a pretty high-profile school, right? I mean, I I think that's a good landing spot if it it works out. If it works out, that is the absolute best that he could have done. That is the ceiling, the the rooftop party. Like, that's above the ceiling of what he could do. Indiana forward Deron Davis out for the rest of the season after surgery to repair a torn Achilles tendon. Again, Mike and I have been multiple have had multiple athletic injuries. Thankfully, knock on wood, I'm knocking on wood right now. Uh, none of them being Achilles related, but uh, knowing other athletes that have dealt with totally torn Achilles and having have it repaired, the road back is long. So let's just hope he has a great a, a great health staff that's going to help him get back on track and he takes the proper amount of time for it to heal. Because you come back too soon from an Achilles, it's just going to rip right again. So hopefully he takes the right amount of time and he comes back as strong as ever. And it could take a whole entire year, so we might not see him until this time uh, next year. 
Davis had started 15 games for the Hoosiers this season. He was fourth in the Big Ten in field goal percentage, 61.5%. He was averaging 9.6 points and 4.3 rebounds. How about this? If you're any other like team that's rooting, that's like angling for a March invite, this is a huge loss. For Indiana, sure, did they have the giant win? Yes. Are they angling for a March invite? Probably not. So is this the end of the world for Indiana? No. In fact, maybe it gives some other players on the bench a further opportunity to get exposure and playing time on the floor in the Big Ten. Two more for you, Gus. Marcus Lavetta St. John's done for the year. He was listed as day-to-day since the end of November. Looks like he is out for the year. That's a big loss for St. John's. He was averaging 14.9 points per game. He only played seven games this year, but he was a second leading scorer. That hurts them a little bit. Hadn't play, been playing well without him, but certainly that's that's a tough one. Listen, the the, the strength of St. John's was their backcourt with Lovett and Pons. And the weird thing about this, I, I, we're not placing blame by any means, but uh, but I remember reading before the holidays, sometime in December, where uh, Lovett was cleared for basketball activities. And now you read this news today. Maybe they just were a little too eager to get him back on the court. I, I'm not sure, but again, same thing as the other injuries that we've heard of. Let's uh, rest up, heal up, come back better than ever, and, and get that thing rectified so you can continue your college career. Last one, Gus, then we'll get into the games. This is worthy of a note, especially with tonight's game. Steve Peichel signed an extension to remain at Rutgers. Yeah. He's gotten him yeah. off to a great start, and I know he stunned me, Gus, because I expected Michigan State to come out like gangbusters tonight after what happened to Ohio State, and Rutgers took him to overtime in East Lansing. Number one, congratulations to Rutgers and Peichel. Congratulations to Rutgers for hiring the right coach. I think you finally got it right after a whole bunch of misses. I think this is what they were looking for. And congratulations to Coach Peichel for getting paid. Get those checks. That's fantastic, especially in the Big Ten. It seems like Rutgers might have Michigan State's number. They might have something figured out against them that nobody else has. I bet every team in the Big Ten and any team that's going to be playing Michigan State in March is going to be watching both of those Rutgers games on tape over and over and over again to see what they did to limit the Spartan success on the court. And it's one of two things. Either there's just a bad matchup like the old Toronto Raptors beat the Bulls, Chicago Bulls during those great seasons, twice in a season when they only lost 12 games or 10 games. Yeah, or, Stoudemire went off a couple games is, on them, didn't they? Well done. Or this is a problem for Michigan State that we got to pay attention to. I don't know which one it's going to be, but we'll find out. Uh, maybe Sanders is pulling the Stoudemire here for Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Corey Sanders, okay. excellent player. Let's, uh, let's hit the games. What do we got here, bro? Okay, listen, we have a ton of games to get to here. We're going to give you try to give you a rundown on each one, give you our two cents on what we thought happened, what we saw, why we thought it happened, a little breakdown of that, and then move forward. We'll start with a couple quick hitters here. Uh, number one, Mike, if we don't start with a nostalgic, unbelievable salute to what went on in the Garden with Chris Mullen coaching St. John's and Patrick Ewing coaching Georgetown against each other on the same floor that they face each other in the college game and in the pro game, going down at the Garden. We know this dates us for a whole bunch of the listeners out there, but Mike, just really simple, not necessarily talking about the game, great win for Georgetown. St. John's in a little bit of trouble. We mentioned the injury with uh, Lovert, their 0-5 in the Big East. You got a Mullen or or Ewing memory that that, that like kind of sticks out in your head for one of those players or, or coaches now coaches for the Big East. Yeah, the Ewing memory, of course, is the Villanova game. I mean, that was fantastic. That 1985 game where three teams from the Big East, St. John's, Georgetown, and Villanova, made the Final Four. That was Icon- iconic moment for college basketball. Iconic moment for college basketball, and for me watching it as well. I was 11 years old. Uh, I remember a little bit about 84. And then from but from there, from that point on, 
I really got into it. Never Nervous Purvis Ellison in 86, Syracuse losing to Indiana, Keith Smart shot in 87, Danny Manning and the Miracles in 88. We just keep going on and on. But that was really a turning point, man, for me. And Chris Mullen, of course, could shoot it. And I'll give the best Chris Mullen story, man, because you were there with me. We were at Eastern Invitational Basketball Camp when we wow. were younger. You remember this? Yeah, yeah. Chris, I didn't know you were going to go this. Yes. Chris Mullen comes to, to talk to us. He steps out. We're all sitting there, hundreds of kids, right? And he shot, Gus, 30 NBA three-pointers without warming up, and he made 27 of 30 without warming up. That is an NBA player. People want to quantify it, Gus? There you go. We sat there and saw it together. He made 27 of 30 without warming up from three-point range in front of a gym full of kids. He was really impressive. I mean, he was really impressive as a speaker as well, but man, what a player. Uh, the, I think my, my Mullen, I'm going to go NBA. I just felt like the, the, those Golden State teams with, with Weber mm-hmm. and Hardaway and yeah. him, I, I feel like they were just knocking on the door for a championship. They were right there. Run TMC. Yeah, love that team. Mm-hmm. That was a great team. And then, okay, let's hit up for, uh, for a couple of games. Love that those guys coached against each other. It's unbelievable. I, I, I'm glad that they get to do it again later on this season. That's going to be really cool. How about uh? How about Rody? URI got a nice road win, seventy-two sixty-five over St. Louis. Andre Berry is playing some big minutes as like their lone big. They play four guards around him, four out. Uh, the six-eight senior is finding a role and playing some solid minutes in the pivot. He had seventeen and ten in this game. He might be the solution there as far as what are they going to do with without the normal bigs that they would have. URI a ten. What's your feel there? Rhode Island, who is the favorite preseason to win the a ten, is really hitting its stride. Barry is huge for them. They need size inside. That was an area that, of concern as they're moving forward. But they have now won seven games in a row. And they have this game on Saturday. Incredible Saturday slate of games. Just off the charts. Here's the game. St. Bonaventure at Rhode Island. It's 11 a.m. Yep. It's an 11 a.m. start on Saturday. Which is cool. That is the game. They have UMass at Dayton at Fordham. I understand that. And 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 uh, Pipkins went nuts tonight for uh, for UMass, by the way. I think he had 44, 46. Yeah, 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 44. We'll talk about him in spot for sure. Uh, yeah. No but, question. But uh, this is the game. If Ro- Rhode Island can be a dominant force here and get themselves nationally ranked they got to win this St. Bonaventure game. You know St. Bonnie's is not going to roll over. They got Mobley. They got Jalen Adams. A little bit of the shine came off of them because they had back-to-back losses at Dayton and at St. Joe's. So they're reeling a little bit. I, I thought this was going to be an undefeated Bonnie's team coming in at 4-0 versus an undefeated Rhodey team. But this is going to be a great game on Saturday, 11 o'clock. Great, great, great job by Rhodey. Oh, I think so too. And I think um, St. Bonaventures might be in the same boat as like uh, your Tennessee or something along uh, those lines. Good. Excellent. Where Excellent. they're coming in a little desperate in conference, right? Heck where they're yeah. looking for that, that signature win. So uh, I think that's a definite game to pay attention to. We'll definitely talk about that a little bit later this week. Let's get on to the ranked teams. How, uh, how about West Virginia at Baylor? Now, this, this game had a feel for me that was very similar to last year's, except the roles were reversed. If you remember last year, uh, Baylor was ranked number one in the nation and came in undefeated, and v- West Virginia gave them their first loss. And remember that line was really fishy, where West Virginia was actually favored by like eight. four or five it was points. Eight. It was eight. eight points. Absolutely, I'll never forget. Yeah. So it. when you're favored against the number one team in the country, that that's just like a fishy line in general. But the roles were reversed. West Virginia was came in as the number two ranked team, and Baylor came in unranked, and Baylor uh, lived up to the other end of the bargain and played them pretty live here. West Virginia ekes out a win in a low-scoring game. 
against the Baylor team that you think is going to find its way to March. Uh, Mike, anything that like stuck out to you in this West Virginia Baylor matchup? Yeah, fascinating. I had an argument with one of my buddies about the line on this game. This line, yeah. Gus, was West Virginia by nine and a half. And his response to me was, you know, Baylor just lost. They got upset. I mean, you know, why is it only nine and a half? I said, because Baylor's good. I said, Jolo Akul, Terry Maston's back. Manu. I said, they're good. And he's like, it should be higher. I said, Baylor should not be a 15-point underdog to anybody in the Big 12. No. But he goes, you know, the line is set. He's thinking, he goes, I think it's low. I think it's going to be a close game. I go, absolutely. But I expect West Virginia to win it. Only thing I can say, man, is it's a nice win for West Virginia. Need a Javon Carter three there at the end of the game. Big time shot. They had a tough run. They had Oklahoma and Trey Young. Now they got to go to Texas Tech before hosting Kansas next Monday night. So maybe, you know, like you talk about all the time, there's only a certain amount of efforts that a team has. Maybe this just was a tough spot and you're facing a desperate Baylor team, right, that wanted to get back to 500. So great game. Baylor's tough. I got to tell you, though, Gus, where the heck was this effort last year? Sorry. Just got to say it. I'm with you on that. (laughs) You know, the one thing I took away from this game was their defense on the final two possessions against uh, Baylor. West Virginia really showed what they were made of and really showed the characteristics and what defines them as a team because they gave Baylor everything they could handle on those last couple of possessions. And if you're paying attention, they got kind of lucky because Baylor ran an unbelievable last second play out of bounds with a home run pass and then the skip pass out for a game potentially tying three. Kareen's off the rim. Homer Drew uh, play. De- the Homer they- Drew play, same one, man. It's it, the same yeah. one. And they have a big in the middle that could catch it and pass it. So they, West Virginia kind of like wipes their brow with that one and says, "Woof, glad we got out of there with that one. Drew, Brew, uh, Drew Homer drew, drew it up. Bryce Drew hit it. You flash the big to the middle of the court because they're going to let the big catch it in the middle of the court because he's a big. And then for some reason, Matt and LeConte got free down the sidelines. I mean, guys, who you who you go who you guarding here? You got to go with LeConte. He's the main guy there, and he almost put it in. West Virginia has lived up to that number two ranking for sure. Uh, how about oh, Mike? How about this one? How about UVA and the Cuse? It's fascinating. fascinating. Number one, did you see the line on the over under of this game? No, what was it? That was what. I, I think it was like ninety eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but in reality, I think it was like. 114, 113 maybe? Wow, wow. It was like one of the lowest numbers I've seen in a really long time. So UVA remains unbeaten in ACC play. They win 80, I'm sorry, 68-61 in a win over the Orange. And we thought that there was there was many more points scored in this than we thought there were. Uh, there would be. The over-under, like I said, was like at 98. But it was definitely under 120. Last season, you never fully bought in to UVA. You never bought in with London, running the show. Now that London is off to the NBA, transfers were fed up with the lack of opportunities to showcase their offensive talent. They, they are staring at the number three team in the nation. Mike, how does this happen? Can you explain this? What in the world is going on in UVA and how did they ascend to this ranking? They ascended because everybody's lost. Because Bill has put out an article today and I talked about in the pod last night Everyone has a flaw, and yeah. they've just been able to put a bunch of wins together. I, this, by the way, game so makes me feel fantastic about my prediction. I mean, this is a villa. This is Syracuse team that only scored forty nine points at home against Notre Dame, who's as short handed as they come, and they go in and keep this game close against Virginia. I mean, this is classic Virginia to me. This is why I don't think Virginia can win the national title. However, they did win mm-hmm. the game. They should be ranked number three. They've played fantastic basketball. Their defense is amazing. And you never see them, Gus, make a mistake. You know how you'll see some of these teams lose a backdoor guy or, I don't know, you lose Manu LeConte at the last play of the game? Sure, that doesn't happen like that. to Virginia. 
If right. you really score, well it's because they've determined that they're okay with you scoring. So Bennett's fantastic. This is a great win, but this is the prime example, Gus. This is why I just don't think they're going to win a national title and make a Final Four because this is not a good Syracuse team. And they're home no. and they should be crushing this team. That's all there is to it. Uh, yeah, Syracuse has definitely invested a little bit on the defensive end and they're, they're, they, like, it seems like they will play with, a non-offensive player on the floor at all times now, which is odd. That's not a very Bayheim thing to do. Usually he plays with like five offensive players, but now it seems like he's committing like one of those guys to be a defensive player, which is crazy. You think they won't win the national championship. Okay, that's fine. How about this? You think they can win the ACC regular season? Oh, 100%. No, there's, okay. no, no, there's no doubt about that, man. They've done it okay. before. They've done it before. I, I'm not stupid. Yep. Okay. I may, okay. I may be nuts, but I'm not stupid. They can absolutely do it. That game against Duke is going to tell me a lot. I know it's a couple It's a couple weeks off here, but Duke is going to have a bunch of cream puffs that they're playing, starting with Pittsburgh tonight. Yeah. They're going to get rolling. They're going to be hot. It's the only time they play, Gus, they play in, in Durham. Right. Uh, they play in, in Duke. If Virginia wins that game, I'll just start clapping for them. But I don't think okay. there's a chance they win that game. And I just don't think they have enough offense. So I think eventually they're going to run into a buzz. So they had a huge – they play last year. First round, they had a huge comeback in the first round of the tournament uh, last year. Oh, it was uh, against Kevin Keats' old team. Yes, uh, Wilmington. Wilmington. Yeah, Wilmington. Wilmington. And then they got their absolute doors blown off by Florida, right? Correct. Uh, they, I yes. mean, so that's what I'm talking about with them. But it doesn't take away from the fact that this is a fantastic coaching job and this team is playing amazing basketball. Amazing. Uh, Without question, I just want to make sure we we you were in the right frame of mind. Oh, and not yeah. totally sh- selling them short. Okay, oh, I'm good. not stupid. No way. Absolutely. Okay. No, no, no. What are you saying? You were. I was just making I'll, sure. I'll, say, I'll say I am. I'll say I'm. <laughs> no, absolutely not. All right. So another thing that uh, next game we'll get to is you know told you so, told you Ohio State. Was well done. I, Very Iowa well State done. Was after, Very right? Well done. Yep. Kansas had to sweat out another win. It was 83-78 over the Cyclones in the fog. This wasn't even at Hilton. So the three-headed monster in the backcourt for Iowa State is going to catch somebody. It almost caught Kansas uh, last night. Jackson, Wigington, Wheeler-Babb. I'm just saying, if Malik Newman doesn't have his best game of the season with 27-8, then the Jayhawks are looking at another tough loss in the Big 12. Mike, what were you taking from this game, if anything? And does this like firm up that Kansas is in big trouble in the Big 12? Or does this tell you that Iowa State might be a little bit more live than you think? Or maybe a combination of both? No, Iowa State's dead. Uh, they're going to they're gonna finish last or next to last in the Big 12. That's not to take away from the job that they're doing. But they do play well. Year after year, they play well in Kansas. So... Right. Iowa State, it was a That's great, true. That's true. great effort for them. I'm very happy for them. But no, they're not passing Baylor. They're not passing Texas. They're not passing TCU. Um, they can battle it out with Oak State and Kansas State in my mind. But this does show you a problem with Kansas. How many times, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Kansas is not winning the Big 12. How many poor performances do we have to see? You're coming home. And you have played poorly at home and you can't right now, statistically, you can't put away the worst team in the Big 12. That's what they are statistically right now. They're 0-4. That's yep. pathetic. Yeah. Th- this is the year. If the Big 12, the, all the other coaches should get together. If you don't beat Kansas this year, then just call it the Big Kansas. Because, the, Gus, how vulnerable... The big, the, the big K? Can uh, we go big K? Yeah, right. How vulnerable have they looked? They've never looked this vulnerable. I'm seeing no. highlights on Sports Center. They throw one alley open. They're like, oh, Kansas is back. 
What are you talking about? It's like Tiger Woods again. Vic gets an alley oop from Devontae Graham, oh, and all of a sudden, Tiger Woods, he goes, yeah. "Oh my God, Kansas is bad." What are you talking about? They just keep banging Mihailik, shooting from far. Yes, Malik Newman. What, what, I wish I could do the Undertaker tweet there, where he comes up from the, the thing. Congratulations, you woke up. Congratulations. But Malik Newman's gonna have two points in the next game. They're vulnerable. But and I'll tell you something. West Virginia better pound him next Monday. If Kansas wins in West Virginia, the entire Big Twelve should be destroyed and just call it the Big K. The, yeah, the dynamic's definitely going to change. I, I totally agree with you on that. I agree with them looking unbelievably vulnerable. And and you, we've hit on this a couple of times in the previous podcast. It goes to uncertainty, uh, instability, inconsistency of play, and lack of depth. I'm totally with you on all of those fronts as far as Kansas is concerned. Another Blue Blood, great game. Might have been the game of the night. How about Kentucky and Texas A&M? Number 21, Kentucky. Kentucky holds off one of the most desperate teams in the nation, Texas A&M, 74-73. And you'd think Kentucky would run into some trouble losing their starting point guard. Quade Green out for Kentucky. And you would think that losing your starting point guard could be the end of the world. This is the dichotomy between Kentucky and the rest of the nation. Anyone else who loses a high-level starting point guard, and it is end scene, next act, please. Let's take a look at Creighton last season. What happened to them after they lost their starting point guard? How about Xavier? Up until they made it to the tournament, they looked pretty ugly and were a question to make the tournament once their starting point guard went out. See St. John's this year. Their point guards have been in and out of the lineup. Not so great. How about Texas A&M this year? Without Caldwell, Gilder for a couple of games. That's really hurt them. How about Davidson last year? When Jack Gibbs was compromised and dealing with three injuries in and out of the lineup, that definitely didn't help them at all. How about UT Arlington when they didn't play a half with Eric Neal? That hurt them. And then how about if Josh Perkins doesn't follow that OT game? That Florida overtime game at PK80 might have a different outcome. Anybody else in the nation loses their starting point guard, they're in trouble. Kentucky? Seems like it's not a big deal. In fact, It seems like Kentucky might just bring one of their best players in off the bench into the starting lineup to make up for that lost point guard. Kentucky is such a unique situation, isn't it? So they get that win even without their starting point guard. Unbelievable. And if we bring this full circle, the starting point guard for Texas A&M, Dwayne Wilson, the transfer from Marquette was out. And that totally compromised them in this game. So it, it just seemed like this game was like this, this beautiful symmetry of we both have our point guards out. Let's see what happens. And Kentucky's backup point guard was a little bit better and, in fact, one point better. I go a different way on this. I'm worried about Kentucky. I think all of these guys don't even have a position yet. I know he's gone with Quade Green, but at the end of the game, I feel like Diallo was having the ball in his hands. I think it's positionless basketball like you talk about with Nevada. But with Nevada, it's good. With Kentucky, I'm very concerned. We're in the middle of January. Who's the point guard? No one knows. And the scoring is very helter-skelter. Gabriel gives them nothing. He was a starter last year, much to my chagrin. I feel they are still trying to find their identity. I understand what you're saying about Texas A&M. Listen, it's a good win at home. They had Hogue back. I, I agree with everything you're saying, but I will say this. Hogue just came back. They're very up and down, Texas A&M. And like you said, no Dwayne Wilson. If Kentucky's not beating Texas A&M in this game, when are they beating them? To me, Kentucky's got to win this game. This was a pressure-packed game, and I know that Green was hurt, but I'm thinking, Gus, when I hear Kentucky, I think Final Four. 
When I hear Kentucky, I think of Malik Monk dropping 50, you know, Cat scoring inside, Anthony Davis. Who are these guys? Who is going to step up? Somebody should have stepped up now. Kevin Knox, he scores, he doesn't score. Washington, he flakes in out. All of a sudden, he makes three great moves to the basket, then he disappears. Diallo was supposed to be drafted in the top 15 last year. Where's he been? Drafted in the top 15? Where are you, man? Can you drop 22 in a game when Quade Green is on the sideline? Very odd. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm starting to worry about Kentucky. I'm not sure we can just say all's good. All's good with Kentucky. They're going to be fine. Gilgis Alexander steps in. Fantastic job. I just I'm staring at a Rubik's Cube with the colors all over the place. And we're waiting for Calipari to put it together, and I'm starting to run out of, out of patience. I'm, I hear you on the running out of patience thing. And I think I'm just going to echo back to your initial comment on the positionless basketball. That might actually come up big for them later. I think that that – I think that – and could. maybe he runs a little bit more dribble drive. He's playing a little bit more zone. He was playing around with what who he's going to play on the top of the zone. Let he, me – let me. well, let me – Gus, let me ask you, let me ask yeah. you this, man. You have enough confidence in him as an X is an O guy to do this? I I don't know. Like this isn't – you know, Cal's thing is that he, you know, motivates his players and he's the best recruiter I've ever seen personally. Hmm. This is a team that I think they need a technician. I think they need an XO guy and I don't know if that's Cal's thing. I think at some point he just throws the flowers out in the garden and see which ones blossom. But no one's blossoming. Knox has 12 and Washington has eight and Diallo has 12 and Quade Green has – he needs – he's waiting. Where's Malik? Where's De'Aaron Fox? Uh, you know, anybody seen Cat lately? Bam Adebayo. I'll take anyone. Like where are they? Is Jared Vanderbilt going to make this big a difference? Maybe he is. I don't think he's going to make that big of a difference. Here's the other part and then we can move on to the next game. I think you might be on to something here, but we're leaving out an important part of the equation. Every one of those teams that you mentioned, whether it be the Cat team or last year's team, they had some sort of veteran leadership. And you mentioned Gabriel. He's not that guy. The other teams had a Patrick Patterson, right? The other teams had somebody that had been around and been around the block. Harrison Brothers. Harrison Brothers Brothers had been there for a couple of years. Right. This team doesn't have that type of guy to lean on. So I feel like all of it's on Cal. Will he be able to handle that, and will he be able to transfer that knowledge over to this freshman team in time? I think that's the question. That's the question. No, it's a very good point. That's the question. You're totally right. It's just interesting, man. Again, I'll, I will not say this again. I promise you. I promise you. You got 38 stars <laughs> of recruits. Yeah. Okay. Don't you figure, Gus, one of them would be scoring yeah, 23 yeah. a game? I, I, think, I think you uh, also uh, nailed this, though. <laughs> you said, yeah, I'm sick of all these stars. Obviously, all of these stars aren't the same uh, brightness. I expect we did our preseason All Americans. Yep. I expected Kevin Knox to be Malik Monk mm-hmm. light at this point. That, that's what I expected. 18, 19 per game. He's not. He's not a dribble attack, the basket guy. I expected Diallo to be up to like 17, 8, and 6 or something. Yeah, He's I expected not. Diallo a little He's bit. Not the, I'm with you on that. Right. Like, you know, and, and Gilgis Alexander looks good, but. You know, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for popcorn. Feel like it's still who's coming because because if this is how they're going in the tournament, Gus, they ain't sniffing the final four. Not with these no, rules. It's gonna like be this. tough. I agree, especially with the uncertainty of where the scoring's coming from. I'm with you. You need you need an anchor. You need a Malik Monk. You need a Trayvon Blue. You, you got yeah, it. You need yeah. a you need that guy. You know you can go get a basket. I don't know if they know who that guy is yet on this team. Speaking of guys that can get baskets, how about Marquette? 
Nuts. So we need to <laughs> start being concerned about Marquette now, right? They're they're twelve and five. They're three and two in the Big East and the in the grind that is the Big East. The Golden Eagles take down number thirteen Seton Hall, eighty four sixty four. Ouch! And that's without another total breakout game from Howard. Uh, this time it was Andrew Rousey's tomb. He he went off for thirty plus. The senior guard is averaging over twenty one points a game. He's shooting at over forty three percent from three. And after playing Xavier and Nova close. Both of those games were within 10 points. You kind of felt Marquette might be ready for that big upset somewhere at home. And, Mike, they got it here against Seton Hall. Do you think we? Do you think you still have the Pirates on the short list of winning this whole thing after this game or no? You know, I like to zig when others zag. Man, you know that? I, absolutely. Doesn't bother nice. me. Twice. I did that pod last night after this game. Didn't nice. bother me. Because every team has a flaw. I'm done ripping on Willard. I'm not going to do any more. They love the guy, and they play for him. Do I think Kevin Willard is a huge accidental guy? No, right. I don't. But I think they have a buy-in. They have a chemistry. They have as good a starting four as any team in the country. I said it. I would love to see them play Duke. I think that would be a great game. And I'll take Delgado over Bagley in that game. Yep. I will. And no, I think Marquette is a very tough place to play. They beat Villanova yep. last year. I think Villanova had four losses last year. They beat them there. It's just a hard place to play. And you know what? How, you know, they had the big effort against Butler. You said this, maybe a little down. It's fine. No problem. Rousey goes for 31. They're 11 and 27 three-point range. It's actually not terrible for Marquette at home, by the way, for seeing right. to do that. You know, Powell had the flow. I mean, he played his guts out against against Butler, right? And, you know, this um, might fall under the equation of, like, NFL, right? Like, is if you, if you think about, like, you know, fantasy football stuff or NFL stuff, whenever a team has to play back-to-back road games – isn't that second row game always a little fishy for that? For- Gus, really Gus, really quick. I talked about this on my other podcast with uh, Picking Up the Blitz with yep. Scott Burke. And if an NFL team has to play three consecutive road games, they get their doors blown off in the third road game every single time. I'm trying to remember this for gambling purposes, if gambling was legal, if, by the big way. Big if. Uh, you play three. I think this year it was Denver played Philadelphia in Philadelphia, third consecutive road game. Oh, it was a mod game, mother right. of God game. Oh, my God. So same thing here. Back-to-back road games matter, which is why I guess I may have dropped a shekel or two tonight uh, on Notre Dame going down to Georgia Tech. Oh, my. You know, after the big Syracuse If, if gambling was legal. Big yes. Yes, if gambling was legal, and I'm very happy with that result. Just want to okay, very nicely played over there, Mike Randall. <laughs> Excellently done. Koji's back, by the way. The students are back, which means I think there's like seven people there. The stands were empty, but whatever. They, the right. win is a win. You take the win when you can get it. I'm very happy with Seton Hall. They can absolutely win the national championship. If Xavier can make the run as an 11 seed last year from the Big East, there is no reason why Seton Hall can't this year. Totally on board. Didn't even fail. Wow. Okay. I like the sound of that. Okay. We're going to give you a number and we want you to let it sink in, folks. We want you to let the number 22 sink in for a second. Just number 22. Let that sink in one more time. Number 22, and then we're going to attach a name to it. The number 22, Auburn Tigers. That's right. Impressively wins at home over Old Miss, 85-70. to 70, And this game felt like a celebration at home for the crowd and the Auburn community. Auburn is now atop the SEC standings at 3-0. Six Tigers were in doubles. No one played over 33 minutes. No one took over 14 shots. The Tigers are just one of those teams that do everything kind of really well, including defend. And oh yeah, Mike, they're averaging about over uh, 90 points over their last five games. Um, along with a point guard, Harper, who we really like, one of the one of my absolute favorite players is the undersized Deshaun Murray. He's 6'3", 
kind of do everything forward. He's like Tate Light from Ohio State. He rebounds out of his area for his size. He head fakes like a like the Dickens down there against bigger threes and bigger fours. He gets to the foul line, puts people in foul trouble, and he does everything in 23 minutes. I absolutely love the guy. Auburn is for real. I love that they're playing well and that they're relevant on the college basketball landscape again. Heron, 15 points. McLemore, 13. Uh, Murray had 16 and 8 rebounds. What, are you gonna, what else are you going to say about Auburn? They won the 13th straight game overall. They're 3-0 in conference play for the first time since 2012-2013. And Auburn is in a year where there's a topsy-turvy top 25. Auburn is doing exactly what Clemson is doing. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. They polished off Tennessee. They polished off Arkansas. They beat Ole Miss. Two of those teams at Tennessee, Arkansas, they were ranked. They beat a middle Tennessee state that we all know is very difficult. They've won won, uh, against Dayton on the road. The only team that beat them, Gus, we talked about. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't believe it's Temple. I, I really can't believe <laughs> it's it. Yeah. But, but let's see it now. Let's see Auburn. This is going to be tough. Bruce Pearl's done a fantastic job. Auburn is on the national landscape, and they are for real. Now, let's be careful here. Ready? Do it with me. Win or loss. Sure. Very quick. At Mississippi, at Mississippi State Saturday. Tough. Going to be uh, – you know what? They're going to get tested there because Auburn's been putting off some points. Mississippi State likes yep. to slow it down. Uh, yep. You know what? I'm going, to say, I'm going to say Auburn's versatile enough. Give me the win for Auburn. Wear your body armor at Alabama on Wednesday, January 17th. Ooh, that one's spicy. I'm going to say Alabama takes that one. Georgia at home? Wow, that's another diverse style game. (sighs) Georgia's going to defend the pants off of them. They're going to try to run up and down. What do they do with Yante Maton? Uh, Jeez. Oh, man. You know, give me Georgia. Just you struggling with those games shows you how tough this is going to yeah. be. Because, Gus, that's the easy part of the that's schedule. Tough. Here's how they end the oh. year. Ready? Starting Wednesday, February 7th, home Texas A&M, at Georgia, home Kentucky, outside, at, at South Carolina. Tough, but should tough. be a win. Home Alabama, at Florida, at Arkansas, and then home South Carolina. SEC is deep. SEC is deep, Gus, but Auburn done a fantastic Yeah, get your job. wins now, Auburn. Oh, my goodness. And and hang on to those wins for everything you can in, in March and hope that they uh, are still relevant when they're choosing teams and you get like that 7, 8, or 9 seed. Gus, I, I'm so, I don't mean to interrupt you, but as we're talking about how Auburn has beat the teams they're supposed to beat and won these games here against the Tennessees of the world, there is a game going on right now that I'm actually watching while we're doing podcast okay. here. Gus, in the Big 12, Texas and TCU are both 1 and 2. One of these teams are going to wipe their brow when this game is over, and the other team is going to be in a free fall at one and three. It's in overtime, by the way. Right now, Texas is up one with three minutes left. These are the games that Auburn's finding a way to win. That's what they're doing, and that says something because that's the first step of being a really good team. I mean, I love the in-podcast update for the listeners out there. That tells the listeners, like, what in the world? are they, When are these guys actually recording this? In overtime with TCU in Texas. That's fantastic. How about we? you want to touch on uh, Tennessee and Vandy real fast as far as another, like, ranked team that gets a win on the road there? Tennessee wins 92-84. Can we start throwing Grant Williams' name around for player of the year in this conference? Guy went off for thirty-seven and seven. Along with, I, mean, I think you have to include his name with with the uh, Yante Maton as far as Player of the Year and uh, Schofield. I mean, you throw uh, you throw Schofield and Williams together. That's quite a duo. Those guys might be good enough to get this team to march and dance. What do you take away from this Tennessee win on the road versus Vandy? Very simple. A win's a win. You got it. 
a road win. You just get the win and that's it. And by the way, if I could change my name, it would be Admiral Schofield. What a fantastic name. Supposedly, uh, supposedly his, his relatives also have like fascinating names as well. What are you doing tonight? I'm hanging out with Admiral Schofield. I mean, it's just all of a sudden you get nervous, right? I mean, like this is a great team. Grant Williams has been great. A road win is a road win. That's all I got to say about this game. You win these games. Don't, there's no easy game. SEC, Big 12, all these conferences, Big East, Big East ACC. It's a road game. That's it. Take yeah, it I say take it and run to Tennessee. That's again, they they were staring at zero and two, and now they've even the record back to two and two. Nice job out of Tennessee. Anything about twenty number twenty five Creighton winning over the winning at home for Butler yes. uh, 85-74? or is this one of these like Oklahoma West Virginia? It just kind of followed the script type of games. Just a quick hitter here. Creighton at home is really tough, tough to beat. Creighton at home is like Marquette. It's very tough to beat at home. The guards are going to score. Marcus Foster, I put in my 100 facts, has improved across the board in every facet. Nice win for Creighton. Butler's a different team away from home. They're home. They're really tough on the road. They're very sketchy, which is why you get to an NCAA tournament. Be careful with this Butler team as we're, we're talking you know, down the line. But Creighton at home. Uh, totally agree. And if you didn't see the Kyrie Thomas dunk from this game, you need to go see it right now. Yeah. Uh, the reason it was sick for three reasons. Number one, his launch point was like totally ambitious. Uh, number two, he was a two-footed jump. It wasn't a one-foot jump. And the amount of ground that he covered in traffic was really impressive. Go watch that dunk. It's amazing. Um, so that that's like your 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 tw- number 25 Creighton highlight right there. Hey, what, hey what, yeah, this is a good time for our LeVar Ball ridiculous statement of the podcast. I didn't today. know we were going to have this segment. Is this true? Yeah, we are. welcome folks to the LeVar Ball ridiculous statement with no merit part of the podcast. Gus, do you know I understand that dunk from Kyrie Thomas because I myself was a two-foot uh, dunker. Thank you, folks. That's the LeVar Ball ridiculous comment of the podcast. There you go. All right, UNC uh, takes down BC, 96-66 at home. Anything here? Luke May went off for 32-18. and 18. Anything out of the ordinary here or we just kind of thought this would happen? No, BC is, is overachieving and this is a game that N- North Carolina had to blow them out. It was close for a while. They have guards, BC, Kai Bowman, the whole thing. But no, pretty straightforward. Luke May is going to – if you don't have a, an athletic big that can guard him, Luke May is going to get his And point. then uh, last couple ones here. How about uh, Texas Tech shows a chink in the armor? They fell to Oklahoma and Norman 75-66 and the Sooners win at home in a game that is not at their pace. Usually they're up in the 80s or the 90s, and they win a game in the 70s and the 60s. I think this is promising moving forward for Oklahoma, and it kind of shows that Texas Tech is human. Uh, Trey Young had back-to-back challenging games against West Virginia and Texas Tech. I mean, welcome to what you're going to see in the NBA every single night, Trey Young. Mike, what do you got here for uh, Texas Tech and Oklahoma? I think it was a look-ahead game. I think they won on the road Oklahoma. I think that's a tough place to play. It's tough for them to get up again because they're going to host West Virginia this Saturday, which, by the way, is a trap game for West Virginia who has to play Kansas. I really like Texas Tech in that game. I think they want to make a statement at home against West Virginia. I think they're going to knock them off, and I think they just went on the road against Trey Young, and I think they just gave it their all, but it wasn't a super-focused job. I expect a different Texas Tech team on Saturday. And also, if you're Texas Tech, I mean, Keenan Evans showed up in this game, but you need one other dude to help out and score double digits on the road if you're hoping to beat an unbelievable Oklahoma team. I know I know well the spread said. in minutes, well like that's what Texas Tech does. They spread out their minutes. But you do need somebody else to step, step up in the scoring column if you're going to win something on the road in the Big 12. So I, I think that's, yeah, it's a that's the point. only thing I took away from I, that. I thought we were talking about Kentucky for a second. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and then uh, I figured, you know, we <laughs> open with this and we'll close with this. Mike, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with the Purdue-Michigan game? Again, Purdue-Michigan uh, 69. The game lived up to the hype. And Anything else that you want to touch on this and then we'll close up shop? Yeah, man. It's brilliant. It's brilliant coaching. It's, it's a brilliant game all around. 
Beeline evidently, Gus, decided that he was going to try, and I would have done the same thing. Let Haas try to beat you, stop the three-pointers. In the beginning of the game, much like the Kansas game I talked about against TCU, Haas was dominating. Just like Kansas got off early, they got off early. They were 16 points, Gus. I was ready to text you and start clapping. I was going to send you a a clapping gif and go like, oh, great job, Gus. You won already. But – they came back. That's my issue with Purdue. I do think Michigan is underrated because I think Beeline is a superior coach. I really do. I think he's a special, special coach. So I do think that Michigan and Purdue were very, very similar. But what I loved about this game from Purdue, number one, great call with Carson Edwards. You know, he's not a super athletic, dunking, elevated no, guy, no, no. but he's but he's a winning time guy. And you called it. You said that their best position, Purdue – was the worst position for Michigan. You were absolutely right. Vince Edwards, very solid for them. But I still think, Gus, that Isaac Haas is so important. He didn't play down the stretch, of course, until the end of the game. But really, he lets everything else work. I don't like that they're hot and cold. But then again, you know, I was thinking about when I did the podcast last night, Who's not hot and cold in, 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 in big college basketball this year? Everybody is. So Especially with reliance on three. Especially with so much reliance on three. Everybody's yeah. like that. Now, listen, you like Painter better than me. We'll see what happens. But they have guards. They have talented players. They get after you defensively. Dakota Mathias cut his face open. He comes back in the game. Okay. Isaac Haas is massive. You see him interviewing after the game with Molly McGrath. I mean, the yeah, guy's he's, huge. He's a, he's a and, massive and he, human and he, being. And he really has improved, man. So kudos to Purdue. I think Michigan is better than people uh, think. They're absolutely going to make the tournament. They're dangerous. They make threes a lot of the time. Wagner can't get in foul trouble, but I think the greatness of John Beeline keeps him in the game. I'd love to see the game at Purdue, but Purdue can win a national championship. Purdue can make a Final Four. This was a very impressive win. They were up four, Gus. Michigan got up four with about two minutes left. I yep, thought it was I over. Did too. I did think I it was over. Too. And then Carson Edwards with a big three. Yeah. Oh, I felt it all the way in my gut. Well done. Well done. It was a great game. Absolutely. Uh, so just a couple things I took away from this. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit moving over to your side. I think that I undersold Michigan. Here's why I think I undersold Michigan. I had no clue how good Isaiah Livers is. He is Michigan player of the year. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan he is really, really good. I did not see him play a full game in person, uh, you know, a, a full game. And I really like that guy. And I think if you put him in a lineup with, with, with Wagner and, and Matthews um, and, and Rachman and, and Poole, like that, that, that lineup can score. And if they can settle on their point guard situation, I, I kind of like this team again. I think I'm back in on Michigan. I mean, I know I'm on the Purdue bandwagon. I'm not getting off that bandwagon. But I think this made me like Purdue a little bit more. Does that, does that, make, does that make sense? Uh, like Michigan a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, made you like Michigan more, make me uh, made me like Purdue a little more. That shows you a great game. Here's one for look, you, my look friend. Look at what college love basketball this. does. It, 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 yeah, what it does yeah. to us. Look at this. You want to see an eight nine game that you'd love to watch? Oh, okay. Because of the positionless basketball for Go Michigan. Ahead. Go ahead, Nevada, Michigan. Wouldn't that be a great eight nine game? The winner to play a number one seed. Wouldn't that be? And a great And you know game? what? That number one seed would literally need a diaper. They would yeah, not want to play I mean? either one of those teams. Great, I think it's a great game. That would be a yeah. lot of fun, that game. Fantastic. Okay, so listeners, uh, thank you so much for carving out some time for the podcast. Mike and I are always humbled and thankful uh, that you guys give us a little small part of your week. And thank you for carving out a little larger uh, time slot of your le- uh, week for uh, an additional podcast or two. Uh, again, like Mike said before, if you like what you're listening to, hit us up on the uh, on the, on the Twitter. 
uh, at SDS Podcast, Efficiency of Keystrokes, of course. Love interacting with you guys. Uh, thanks for you guys that have sent some messages. Uh, hey, shout out to Tom. Enjoy the game this weekend, and uh, congratulations to the Huskers on their win. Big win over uh, Wisconsin, so glad to interact with you guys on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with the show via email, if you're an email person, go for it. We are sdspodcast at gmail.com, so hit us up that way. We'd love to interact with you that way. We're a little bit slower on email, but we will get back to you. No sweat. Uh, so let us know how we're doing there. And if you really like what you're listening to, just do exactly what Mike told you earlier. Please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Leave a little comment. And if you leave a little comment and your and your uh, header, we will definitely give you an ahoy and a shout-out on the podcast. So if you like what you're listening to, just let us know that way. That'd be a great way to let us know you like what you're listening to. Gus, when we get off, go to your iPad or whatever you got. And you can usually watch a replay of the games. Down one in overtime with under 10 seconds left. Eric Davis kicked it out to Dylan Osakowski for three and he banged it. So now it's, now it's Texas up to TCU ball, eight seconds left. Little magic for Andrew Jones there as well going on for that. So it's a great kid. You get a chance to watch this. Oh, my goodness. I think I'm dialing it up right now. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, Listeners, we hope that you're enjoying that game along with every (laughs) other game that we have on the radar for you. And we'll definitely catch up with you later on this week. Uh, Cheers. Salancho. Grazie. Lazio, everybody out there. Thank you so much for carving out some time and listening into the Screen to Screener College Basketball Podcast. Oh, Sikowski, let it go. All I heard was Gus Kearns going. Those go in. Side. It's a decision of